morning, and good morning to you wherever you are in the world, even all the way down there in the North and South Islands of New Zealand. What a lovely place. Dorothy and I have great memories of being in New Zealand, and we have some very traumatic ones too, but the Lord was with us all, as he is all the time. Good morning to everybody in the room. It's too loud. Pull it back a bit. Uh, my voice is tired because I've got a heavy summer cold, but I've still got a big voice. And uh, Okay. We're going to talk about the life of the Spirit and how it looks in everyday life. You know, you've had a series and there's all sorts of things, and, and, and I will underline some of the things that have been said before, maybe not even as well as you've heard them before, but re remembrance is a very important thing. And I want to encourage everyone, before we finish, that living a life in the Spirit has the potential of a daily dynamic that we can all be used by God. Yes? Okay, you're not convinced about that. That's what the teaching's going to do. Before we get there, it would be remiss of Dorothy and I, my wife of 57 years, who's stuck with me through thick and thin, no money and no anything and no whatever, to a place of abundance in lots and lots of ways. How many of you know the Lord? The Lord is good. How many of you know it's impossible to get him in the red? Just try it. Your life will never be the same again. The blessing of a giver is amazing. So we rejoice, and we rejoice in our friendship with Ron and Gretel. I said in the first service, Ron and I and Gretel and Dorothy often traveling with us. We've served the Lord in different places in Africa, in the Middle East, in numerous countries in Asia, in Eastern Europe and Western Europe, and uh, in America. Uh, he's never been with me to Central America. He's never been with me to South America, and he's never been with me to the Antipodes, but we've been with each other in scores of situations and seen the grace of God in many. Yes? For which we praise the Lord. And I'm honored to renew my friendship with this church. I'm told it's about 12 years since I was with you in the girls' grammar school. There we go, so it's nice to be here. I used the bathroom on the way back into the meeting. You say, what are you talking about? Well, it's important to tell you. this is how ordinary this thing can become. Ordinary in the sense of in the routine of life. And the Lord spoke to me in the bathroom. He's often spoke to me in the bathroom actually over the years. But that's a different story. <laughs> he spoke to me and started to say some things. And I thought, I think I need to start the service, the preaching a bit different. And then Magdy leaned forward and said to me, this service is going to be a bit different. The Lord's given you some words and you need to say them right at the beginning. That's the life of the Spirit. So we'll teach in a minute, but here's a starting point. I've no idea where this is going to land. I went in the bathroom and did what I needed to do and then I washed my hands as a good, healthy individual. And I couldn't get the water to come out. Why? because I didn't look at it properly. I was trying to get the water to turn on by the methods that most old taps use. 
like you move a lever or you twist something, yes? And then in the end, I got it. I don't know whether the ladies' toilets are the same, but anyway, in the gents downstairs, it simply says on the top of the tap, the faucet, as they call it in another part of the world, where the name of heaven and wherever they got that name from, there we go, it simply says, press. And guess what? When I pressed, water came out. And I washed my hands. And while I was drying them, the Lord said to me, have you understood what I just spoke to you about? No, I, I haven't understood, Lord. And then I listened. And this is what he said to me. That some of you are trying to solve the issues in your life at this moment with things that have worked in the past. And he's trying to tell you, stop it. Follow my instructions. Just do what I'm telling you to do. And it might be simply press. You go, but I've got to do something about it. We all love to be in control. And we're not. Just do what he's telling you to do. There may be all manner of things going on in your life. The water will flow, the answer will come when you do what he tells you to do. Right? Some other people in the room don't know how to make a big decision. Because a big decision requires you to leave some stuff behind and make further steps of faith into the purpose of God. And he wants you to just press, press go. You know, you know, no, it's not as easy as that. It is. Because if he's telling you, he's gone before you. And here's one of the ways you'll know that what he's asking you to move into is from him. You'll be full of passion about it. Yes? You need to move into it. You're full of passion about it. Trust him and press the button. Yes? I've got, a f I've got another little picture, which I can't quite work out. It's something to do with people painting front doors or painting things in their house. And the Lord says, stop it. Stop, stop, stop painting. It's time to move. Press the button. The, the answer's not just changing where you are. He wants you to move. He wants to give you his blessing. I don't know who that is. You can tell me afterwards if it's you. That'll encourage me. And I'm, a, I'm more negative, apparently negative, and, but the Lord wants to break every chain. There are some people in the room who are pressing buttons on a computer that shouldn't be pressed. And it's not time to go, it's time to stop. Stop pressing that button because the water's not going to flow out of that button. If you got yourself in bondage, he wants to break every chain today. He wants to break it. And you say, I haven't got the power to do it. He's got the power when you next go to that button so that you don't press it anymore. Get somebody to pray with you before you go home today. All right? There's the start of 10. Is that all right, sir? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you want to add any more? Okay. So the thing we need to understand in coming to the scriptures is although we're talking about a spirit-filled life, and I'm specifically talking to you about how we live in, in and 
of the Spirit in the day-to-day of our lives, and I'm going to illustrate through some scriptures, make an application in a minute. Um, We also need to understand that the way the Spirit works is in a dual dynamic. Everything that exists in this world exists because God spoke and His Spirit moved. In the opening of the Bible, hovered. Hovered in, in the chaos, in the darkness. And nothing's, nothing's changed. Everything about the Bible, the continuance of this world in which we live, we've got lots of people trying to, trying to tell us it came from nowhere, and it's, it's not true. God created it by his word and through his spirit. And that dynamic power that made the world and sustains it is the power that works in you when you sit tomorrow morning or later this evening and open the Bible and read God's word because it's still alive. It's quick and powerful. Yes? The word became flesh in Jesus. It amplifies who he is to us. And how he came into the world was an act of the word and the spirit. He was not born of the natural process of a man being intimate with a woman. The spirit of God overshadowed a virgin and God's word was planted in that virgin's womb and Christ, the son of God, the unique God-man was born. And when you were born again, when you accepted Christ, the same thing happened in you in a slightly tamed down manner, but it's the same work of the Spirit on the Word. The incorruptible seed, can anybody carry on the verse for me, of the Word of God lives and abides forever. You were saved by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that was planted in you by the Holy Spirit. I was 10 years of age when my Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Martin, a very round lady who loved Jesus and had asked me, Scores of times as the preacher's kid would I confess Jesus. And she asked me another time at the end of a Sunday school class, was I ready to welcome Jesus? And I knew the moment was there. I was 10. And I said, yes, I want to acknowledge Jesus. And the Sunday school ended. We had forms that had those seats that were the same as on the old trams. You know, you could sit one way and then move the backrest and sit the other way. It was a right shambles of a place. It was in Belfast on the Shanker Road, and I knelt down with a hundred kids running all over, the, all over the room. And I knelt down, and Mrs. Martin helped me to confess Jesus as Lord. And what happened? The same spirit, the same spirit that brought Jesus into this world, quickened his word, and I was born again. I was a new creation in Christ. That's powerful, is it not? And we've got to feed that life that's in us. So we're not here just concentrating on the work of the Spirit. We're doing it in combination with a commitment to the Word because the Word and the Spirit flow together. We do not want to emphasize one in place of the other or the other in place of the one. So understand that. So a few scriptures. We start with a a reflection about what Jesus had to say about the life of the Spirit. And John's Gospel is a great place to see what Jesus' reflections on it were. Um, I think we're going to have some words on the screen. I don't know whether those of you around the world, other parts of the town, get it. I I hope you do. And we'll read them. This is John 14, and uh, it says this. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give 
you another advocate or comforter to help you and be with you forever. Now, you need to read the context yourself. There's much more in, in this context. But the point I want you to understand, that the indwelling spirit who wants to live and motivate and dynamize our lives is a gift from the Father that Jesus asked for. So when the Spirit comes to you, it's because Jesus has asked the Father to give you a special gift. Just think about it for a minute. That's not like any other birthday present you've had. This is something rather more special. The second thing I want to say to you about what Jesus had to say about this is in the next chapter in John 15, verse 26. He says, when the advocate, the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. It is the journey of my life of a lot of years now to know that the closer I allow the spirit to be in me and be the, be the strength of my life, the closer I am to Jesus. And the more understanding I have of Jesus. I've read the Bible all my life. I've read it many, many, many times. I often know what's coming next because I've read it that many times. But if I live close to the Spirit, He reveals who Jesus is to me. And that is a wonderful, wonderful gift. The third thing is in chapter 16, got there yet? Yes, we are. But when he, forgive him, my voice is not, not brilliant with this summer cold, but forgive me. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, there's an exegesis of that which would take a lot of time. I simply want to make this one observation. Not only is the Holy Spirit a gift from the Father asked for by Jesus? Not only is he the one who reveals the truth of who Jesus is to us, it's, it's a revelatory gift, a gift, but he will guide us into all truth. Now, we live in a world of false news and whatever. The Spirit will guide us into truth. Now, what happens, I ask the first congregation, what happens when truth comes? What does the truth do? The Bible says it sets you free. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Let the Spirit bring the truth to you, and it will break every chain. It will set you free, for the truth will set you free. Free from your own condemnation of yourself. Free from the burdens of past failure. Free from the voice of the devil who tries to make you less than you were created to be. Free to be the person God created. Bear his image and likeness and become like Jesus. And when people meet you, as you move about in the ordinary affairs of your life, they're going to say, I met Jesus in a woman today. I met Jesus in that young guy in the gym. Because his truth will set you free to be the person he created you to be. Is that make a lot of sense? 
I must have been on that too long because the computer's closed down. But there we go. We're back on. Now some verses. Let's have a walk through the scriptures. I'm going to try and get through this quicker than I did in the first service. But I might not succeed. We're now into the book of Acts. So we've got Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians twice, and Philippians. So that's the journey. And then we'll make an application, okay? We'll let the word do its work as we read it. And then I'll apply it to try and help you ground it. That's what I feel we need to do. Are we ready? Acts chapter 9. This is a story about a disciple. He's only quoted one other time in Acts 21. It talks about him being a devout man who was, who was appreciated as one of the disciples of Jesus living in Damascus. And we never hear about him again. And he influenced the greatest Christian of the first century church. He turned his life around. He gave him a prophecy that Saul of Tarsus, Paul the Apostle, used all the rest of his life before kings and rulers. What this man said to him changed his life forever. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And he was just like you and me, just an ordinary disciple. So we need encouragement, and we'll come back to him at the end. But this is what it says about him. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. You've got to enter into the story here. Ananias, oh, yes, Lord, he answered. That was the easy part. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias, <coughs> that's you, come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Next page. Lord, Ananias said. And then he gets into the sort of prayers that many Christians pray. Like the FBI showing up for the weekly meeting to report on who they've been spying on. Just let me tell you something. God already knows. Now, like a... If you don't like this sort of sexy stuff, just let it rush, up, rush over. I'm told that one of the reasons why wives get frustrated with their husbands is that we don't listen. And one of the reasons why we don't listen is because we've heard it before. <laughs> and I've got news for you. The Lord has heard it before. He already knows. But I'm reliably told, not only by my wife, but my observations of life, that what happens when I do listen, even though we know it before, we're comforted because... We've just shared a burden, and we just feel better. So the Lord doesn't mind you telling him stuff he already knows, but don't tell him in a way that you think you're informing him, because that's not helpful. So here he is. Lord, I've heard many reports about this man, and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. That's all right. That's 100 miles away, uh, or a bit more. And... And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. <clears throat> By the way, Lord, that's me. Next page. But the Lord said to Ananias, forget all that, boy. Don't worry about any of that. Just go. In my early little refreshment word to you, just press the button. Just do what he says. But Lord, 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 Lord. No. If he said go, he's prepared everything. You might not yet see it, 
But he's prepared it. Just go. Some people only the other day, Dorothy said to me one day, on Sunday morning early, and, and we, we had numerous services in the Christian Center on a Sunday at one period of our lives, and I don't know whether that was it. We had five full services uh, a Sunday, and uh, a lot of people about. And she said to me before we went in, in the morning, she said, if the Lord doesn't send us 50 pounds today, I am not going on holiday into Europe with no money on Wednesday. And I thought, Lord, this has now become important. We need our holiday. We want time with the kids. I want time with her. And uh, things need to happen. So I didn't pray for a long time. I've got to go for, through a lot of meetings. But you, you do what you need to do. If the Lord says go, just go with the flow. I got to church and an old boy in our church, who was a bit of a unique character, very brusque, he said to me, I've got to speak to you. And I never got to him. I was shaking hands with hundreds of people and the meetings went on and he went home. And he came back into one of the evening services and he got me by the collar. I've got to speak to you. And I've got to speak to you now. He wasn't disrespectful. He dragged me down the corridor in T Street and pushed me into an office. Now, this man was probably the poorest man in the church. He lived on benefits. His daughter was limited. They, they, they had nothing. I'm not looking at you when I say nothing. That's nothing to do with you. In fact, you've got much more than you think you've got in more ways than one. He said, David, the Lord's told me something. I said, okay, John. We call him John and, and Jack. What's that? He said, the Lord's told me I've got to give you 50 pounds and I've got to give it you today. Well, that's what the girl prayed. I said, John, when I've got nothing, I've got more than you. How can I take money from you? And he was only a little bloke, and he stood to his full strength. He said, what are you talking about? The Lord told me to give it you. And I thought, I know he did. And I had to receive it, didn't I? Take 50 pounds from the poorest man in the church. If he says go, just do it. The Lord will work it all out. By Wednesday, we had all the money we needed to go on holiday. We did. We had all the money we needed, if you were listening. We had all the money we needed to go on holiday. I'm allowed to talk to him like that. You might not be. Okay, let's carry on with this. I told you we'd get stuck, didn't I? <laughs> Go, he said. This man is my chosen instrument to claim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the peoples of Israel. Of course, he did all that. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And that all happened to him as well. Next page. But the Lord, but Ananias... So then Ananias went to the house that God had told him to go to, entered it, and lo and behold, Saul was there. He placed his hands on him. Brother Saul, that was a move in the right direction, wasn't it? This was the bloke who'd come to murder him. Brother Saul. The Lord, you've got to read into these stories, you know, what is actually happening. This stuff's absolutely sublime. This is the Lord. It's Jesus. He appeared to him talking to him, he appeared to you on the road where you were coming here. Who told him that? The Lord told him that. And it sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all words of knowledge and wisdom flowing out of this man's mouth. Next page. And immediately, something like scales fell off Saul's eyes 
And he could see again. So he got up and was baptized. And having taken some food, he regained his strength. What a story. We'll come back to it before we finish in a few minutes. What's the next story? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. No, it's not. It's Romans. Sorry. Pull your back one. It's Romans 9, 8. Romans 8, 9 to 11. You, however, are, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then they do not belong to Christ. Next page. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Next page. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, do we believe that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead? Yes. He was proved to be the Son of God by his resurrection. That's what Romans 1 says. If you believe that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, this is day-to-day -day living. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. We need to reflect on that before we go home today, don't we? That's a powerful truth. The next one is Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14. And here we've got it. Well done, guys. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire... The spiritual ability the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. In other translations, it uses the phrase, earnestly desire. Earnestly desire the best gifts. If we're going to see the flow of the Spirit in our day-to-day -day lives, we need to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the context of prophecy. I, I won't go into this in detail either now or later. I'll make a comment later. But I honestly believe that one of the reasons why prophecy is so important, it's like a vehicle that's connected to the life of the Holy Spirit. That if we learn how to hear the voice of God in prophecy, all the other gifts get loaded onto it. And the more of the prophetic you understand, the more the flow of the other gifts will happen in the day-to-day -day and routine of our lives. Yes? The next scripture, I'm sure you've dealt with this in the series, is Galatians chapter 5. We read verse 16 and then 22 uh, and a little bit more. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's pretty powerful stuff. Well, lots of us are still gratifying the flesh in different ways. But the more we learn to walk by the Spirit, the less we'll gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 22 then talks about what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm sure that's been talked about. This is not us trying harder to love. This is not us trying to be more gentle and self-controlled. It don't work like that. It's the Spirit living in us, producing the fruit of a changed life, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, against which there is no law. How do we learn to live in the Spirit that whatever our temperament, left to myself, as a young man, my father was a pessimist. He was a good man of God, and, and he had a prophetic anointing on his life, but he was a bit of a pessimist. His glass was half empty and not half full. And he had two sons. My brother was a born optimist. He believed that money grew on trees. And I was given the gift of my father's pessimism. And uh, 
and I talked to him many, many times about it in his older life. Because the Lord had to help me break away from it. If I'm going to live in that, I'm not going to live as a half-empty, pessimistic person. I also was very determined and I had a lot of energy as a young person. And I've still got energy for, as for an older person. And some of that, you can get frustrated with people, yeah? And you can get angry. Well, anger's not on that list. So I've got to deal with stuff. You've got to deal with your stuff. Some of you find it easy to become depressed. A cloud comes over you. There's all sorts of stuff in the background. <laughs> rises its head. And you hear voices disdaining who you are and making you feel less than what God created you to be. But whatever it is, is our tendency, because of the sinful life that was our past, we've got to learn to deal with by living in the life and fruit of the Spirit. We're nearly there with these scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1 is the next one. Ephesians 1. These are fantastic verses. And you also, you were included in Christ. Anybody excited that you were included in Christ? We're hidden in Him. And whatever He's done for us, it's paid for. Because we're in Him. Okay, when you heard the message of truth and the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, which is a deposit guarantee our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. There's a massive, massive story there. I'll pick this, this man here because he's strong. Because I'm going to hit you. Yeah. Just get your arms strong. So he says, the Holy Spirit has come to mark us. What it literally means is to stamp us. An indelible stamp. So I'm not going to hit you hard. Puts a mark on. Do you know what this means? It means whenever the devil shows up, he has no right to touch anybody with the mark on them. Because they it's ownership. We belong to him. Do you get that? You're his. No, what anybody else says. He's marked you. And what we've got is only a deposit. We know we're near what we're eventually going to have. But this is pretty good. A deposit guaranteeing what is to be because he has marked us. Now, I told an illustration in the first service about going to the farm in mid Wales and they were bringing all the sheep down off the hills. And uh, it, it was a fascinating day to be with the farmers. There were Christians who ran Keffenley. And uh, the sheep that had not their color, they lifted them out as they all came down off the hills. Oh, that one belongs to Farmer Jones and that one belongs to Mr. Williams. And, and, and all the others, they ran through. They didn't bother running the, the other people's sheep through the sheep. They, they were going to waste their money on them. But they put them in another to carry them back to the other farmers. And anything didn't have a mark on them at all was probably because it had been born up in the mountains. So they claimed them as their sheep. And I was given the paint pot and a, a big stick. And as soon as one came through, this one, David, I had to put this blob of, paint that wouldn't fade on the back of these sheep. And from that moment, that one belonged to Farmer Morgan. And he stamped you. That one belongs to me. Don't you touch it without my permission. 
Wow. Chapter 5, same book. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. That's good advice. And make the most of every opportunity, that's wise, because the days are evil. And therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Before we turn the page, it's a pretty clear injunction there. In the modern context of Western Christianity, too many people, from my understanding, not too many, everyone who does, getting drunk. You say, oh, we're only at home, we're not going anywhere. That's not the point. He told us never to be drunk. Now, I can enjoy a glass of wine, but I'm never, ever going to allow myself to be drunk because you lose self-control. And God always wants you to have self-control to let his spirit flow through your life. So if that's been an issue for you, be very careful how you live. Deal with it. You're stopping the life of the spirit flow through your life. Next page. The last little part of this. So how to stay, be being filled with the Spirit, present continuous tense, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs of the Spirit, spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes? yes. Got nothing to do with is anybody there or not. You can be in the bathroom, the shower, lying in your bed, walking around in a house, walking down the street, if convenient, in the place of work. Don't be stupid about that. Sing a spiritual song. Sing a psalm. Yes? yes? Sing unto the Lord a new song. When you come in church, don't wait until the man of God, who had an anointing on him about breaking the yoke. We should have shouted a bit more about Hosanna. We should have pressed in a bit more. We'd, we'd have got more out of it. Yes? You don't have to be too provoked. Be, be ready. To sing the song of the Lord in, in the house of prayer because it intensifies our awareness of the presence of God. He's always with us, but we need to be aware of his presentness with us in these circumstances. And then the final scripture is in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Therefore, if there's any encouragement for him being united with Christ, is there? If any comfort from his love, is there? Any common sharing in the Spirit, that phrase in other translations would be uh, fellowship in the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. And do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. How many of you know that if that four verses of the Bible would lived out in churches, multitudes of problems would disappear overnight? Everything to do with selfishness. Oh, why did, he, why did he get on the platform to sing today and I wasn't on? Why, why was he given that job? Why was, she, why was she? Get over yourself. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you. You don't have to press for your own, I, I want to be seen. I want, no, 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 you don't need any of that. Be, be a one in mind. If you see division coming, have proper conversations and reconcile things. It's, it's not difficult. And the key phrase for me at this moment is that we live in fellowship with the Spirit. Okay? That's the Bible. Everybody got it? A bit of an application. From the end back to the front, okay?
fellowship with the Spirit. What does that look like? Let me say this to you. If you and the Spirit are out of whack, you know you're not walking with the Spirit. You're not in fellowship. The Old Testament says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed in the book of Amos? I've got good news for you. He's never wrong. So if you want to walk with him, there's only one person who needs to change, and it's not him. Hello? Is that anybody today? You know, you're fighting against him about something or other. Quit. You can't win. You're not going to persuade him. He isn't going to change. If you want to walk in fellowship with him, you have to change. I told the story, I'll say it quickly. Dorothy and I, we're, you know, we're fiery people. She's, she's a straightforward northerner. You know, a spade is a spade. You don't know anything about that down here. But, uh, <laughs> and we've had a few run-ins over the years. Not that many, but a few. We had two or three years that were pretty tough. She'd say four. Uh, <laughs> And now and again, you know, we'd, we'd get to Discord. So one morning we had a fallout. Breakfast time, I don't know. I can't remember anything about it at all. I don't want to. And I leave the house. I'm driving down the road. <laughs> silly woman. And she's at home saying, that daft husband of mine never listens. <laughs> so we're not, we're not there. We are not in fellowship. Now, for a woman, emotionally, if you don't like this stuff, just let it go over your head. Women, emotionally, I'm told, are one whole. You know, if one part of them's upset, everything's upset. You, you agree with that, don't you? That, that, that lady there agrees with me. <laughs> Some others might be less honest. <laughs> As for men, men, emotionally, are like a square that's all squared off. So anything that's going on in one little area, the workplace, whatever, you just got it right, maybe. You just park that there. So this fallout, I can park it there and get in the car. I've got to go. I'm going to the church office. I've got a busy day's work. I'm seeing people, whatever. I'm doing the Lord's work, you know. On with the day. Put that away. Then, of course, you come home at tea time if you go on with that sort of stuff. And you've had a great day. Most of your day, your emotions are in good shape. Oh, it might be in your back of your mind. Oh, good gosh. But you go home to your wife, and she's maybe cooking. She was a great housewife. And mother, my, my wife, in in home, not respected so much these days, that isn't, but I think it's a pretty good idea if you can do it. Uh, and you go into the kitchen and, you know, you, you, you're there for a bit of a cuddle. <laughs> Get off. <laughs> What's the matter? Well, all her emotions have been wound up all day. Whether she's ironing, doing shopping, whatever, whatever, of course that's... Anyway, if we're going to be in fellowship with the Spirit, he's not going to muck about with us like that. We've got to change. Quickly, back to Ephesians. There's a challenge. Not only to live in fellowship, but a challenge to be spirit-filled. I've done better with this at different times of my life, and sometimes out of weariness or busyness or the burdens of ministry or whatever, you just don't deal with it. But you have got to rise up and be being filled. This is not something that's going to happen by magic where you do nothing. Sing and worship the Lord. Enter his presence. Be conscious of him. Live in that place. The challenge is to live in fullness.
And we have the assurance of that scripture where we've been marked. Nothing can touch us without the permission of the Lord. That's a great assurance that we need to live in. And in the moments of anxiety when life is difficult and problems come our way, we need to know we're loved and marked. The Galatian scripture tells us that we need to live, live by the Spirit. And naturally, when I go out in the garden, I don't see anything striving. They're just letting the life of the plant come up in maturity and produce either flowers or fruitfulness. And we need to learn to live in that place where the natural product is life, joy, love, joy, peace, and all those things that the Lord speaks about. It's a, an important thing. I talked to a Pentecostal pastor once in another part of the world. He said, I don't, I don't see the point of speaking in tongues. You need to read the Bible. And prophecy. The Bible says, eagerly desire the best gift, especially prophecy. Now, I've come to believe this. That if I live as an encourager, so I talk about being a natural pessimist, the Lord's delivered me from it completely. Only when I'm tired do I think negatively. I don't get very tired. And then I just have to wake myself up. So I want to live as an encourager every day. I want to encourage people. And if you live to encourage, whether it's in an email, a text, a phone call, sitting having coffee with someone, sending a present to somebody. We sent some flowers to somebody on Friday. And guess what? They were encouraged because a friend told them they loved them. It's not difficult, that, is it? If you live a life of encouragement, you will prophesy. Yes? So determine that you're going to be more of an encourager every day. And you'll prophesy more. Because where one ends and the other begins, I don't know. Many, many times, you know, you're sitting in a restaurant and there's a, a, a family gathered all around on another table. There's maybe three, three, four generations there. And you observe that there's good order in this family. And you go, wow, the grandparents are helping with the... There's just concord. And there's just love in the family. And Dorothy and I, many, many a time, you just with nothing to do with us, don't you? You know, the people from Adam, often in towns where we don't live. You just stop and say, I don't want to be rude, but can, we, can I just say, this is a great family. It's lovely to see your love and careful. And you know what usually happens? Some of them start crying. And it's not difficult. And I don't know whether it was a word of encouragement or whether it was prophecy. And I'm not bothered anymore. But if you learn the prophetic, then the flow of life through you will become quite powerful. And you'll see amazing things through your lives. And then we get to this man, Ananias. Who's going to be like him? Who's going to realize that although some of us who've been Pentecostals for a long time were told that he gives the gifts just sparsely, several as he will. You know, he only gives you one or two. Nonsense. This man used most of them in one afternoon. So what we must get is the spirit who carries the gifts. And whatever gift it is we need today, he is capable of releasing in us. Is the faith in the room for that to happen more? Words of wisdom. Words of faith. 
a courage to do what you weren't able to do before God spoke. Yes? A boldness to go and say something to somebody. And you see amazing things really happen. Our own daughter and son-in-law in their business, they've had an amazing situation because we're being broadcast. I don't want to go into any details. But three times in the last six months, they've prayed before they went into work the next day. Lord, wouldn't it be amazing? And they named something, somebody. Wouldn't it be amazing if they resigned today? And three times in six months, it happened. God has just changed it all without them lifting a finger. Come on. Come on. This stuff's real. The Lord wants to work in every one of us. In our homes, in our workplaces, in every part of our lives. If he can use an Ananias, he can use you. And he can use me. This church will never be the same. If you guys really attend to this and let the life of the Spirit flow through you in stronger ways than ever before. And one final. Whoa, which gifts did he use? Words of wisdom? Words of knowledge? Gift of discerning of spirits? He became clear that Saul was on his side and not against him. The gift of faith to go? Prophecy? He prophesied what Paul remembered the rest of his life and used often. Gifts of healing and or gifts of miracles. One or the other. We're up to seven and there's only nine in that list. So they're all available to you. A dear old friend of ours, we remember, he's long dead now. I remember him telling the story. He was praying one morning and he heard the voice of the Spirit say to him, I want you to get your coat on and get on the bus and go to the hospital where the one of his members was dying in intensive care. He said, I just want you to go and give her a gift of healing. So he dutifully put his coat on. Went to the hospital. They wouldn't let him in. He said, no, she's in intensive care. You can't go in. He said, I only want just a few seconds. And he pestered them, pestered them. Put gowns on me. Do whatever you need. You must let me in. And he went in to this dying lady who was in a coma and called her name, although she couldn't hear it, and simply put his hands quietly on her. I give you the gift from Jesus of healing and left. She woke up after he'd gone and the next day she sat up in bed perfectly fit because a gift of healing was brought to him by just a disciple and that's all available to all of us if we'll only let his life flow in us and through us. And one final scripture, Jesus also said in John, he said the spirit will also come to convince the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Whether as a Christian the Spirit has convinced you, convicted you today that you need to deal with some things. Find a confidant, get prayer, and find accountability, and get new freedom. For he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you've never confessed Jesus, or maybe you did when you were a kid a long time ago, and you feel ashamed you've not served him, open your heart to Christ today. He is your Lord and Savior. Confess him as Lord and put him in charge of your life. 
talk to someone and ask for prayer before you go home. Life will never be the same again. We were in Bournemouth two weeks ago. And the lady there, who'd been a heroin addict for 25 years, came to Christ three or four years ago. And she is absolutely, radiantly transformed. And just a few weeks ago, about two, three months ago, uh, she brought a young man, late 20s, early 30s. 15 years on crack cocaine. And he confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord. No signs of withdrawal, completely set free, living in a crack house. And he told the people at the 12 Steps program where he used to go on a Monday night, I'm not coming here anymore, confessing I'm still an addict, needing help, because I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm going to the church prayer meeting because I'm going to find the power there to be a different person. Come on, it's available to us all. May we live in the light of the truth.